1: Welcome off the post, I'm Russ Cohen, we've got Anthony Mangione, and how are you?
0: Doing fine, Russell, yourself?
1: Uh, you know, last show of the decade, I get it. I don't know if it means anything, but it sounds cool. And Michael Gello, Mike, how are you?
2: Yeah, last last show of the decade means, and last thing of the decade means you get material to write uh, and talk about, because it's the last thing of the decade.
1: That's true. That's true, and I I, I kind of did that too. But we'll go over that later. I, I guess we could start with the uh, with the World Juniors. The biggest takeaway I have is it's nice that more people are interested in it now than they used to be. So they sort of get caught up in the roller coaster action of the tournament, which happens every year. Now, maybe not all five teams are tied every year, but but it happens every year. So there's always upsets. Uh, the only thing about that Russia game, Ant, it wasn't just an mm-hmm. upset. Like, they they figured out, hey, you know what? Canada's not really covering us tight in the neutral zone. We've got big, fast guys. We're going to overwhelm them. And, and Dawes was stopping for shots, but then there's no one to clear them. So, with, without yeah. Lafreniere, they, they could be in a, a spot of trouble. They
0: could. I think so. I mean, yeah, we're going to see where things are at, obviously, with Lafreniere. I know they're kind of being cagey about it. <clears throat> uh, they are. In terms of uh, you know, severities, obviously, right now on crutches at the moment. So
1: actually, not this morning. This morning he's at practice, not on
0: crutches. He didn't have the crutches today. Okay, so that's good to hear. I just uh, was up about thirty minutes ago and I hadn't, yeah, yeah I'd quite gotten seen that just yet. So, um, so yeah, that's that. That sounds like good news. That sounds like potential good news in that circumstance for Canada. Yeah, they, they, again, as a team, they they, they just. It was like Keystone Cops in that uh, in the, uh, defensively for them in that game. It really, they just looked utterly just befuddled uh, in that you know in that game. So they really got they to, start to bring, get things together pretty soon.
1: They did. And Mike, um, the interesting thing about Lafrenia is, so this seemed to happen on his left leg, whether it was a knee or it's a high ankle sprain, something like that. And he did come into the tournament with an ankle injury, and. That seems to have been forgotten. Like, nobody seems to want to talk about that, but that's why he didn't play in any of the prelims or anything. So even if he does get out on the ice, he is sufficiently banged up.
2: Yeah, and, I mean, well, if he's playing banged up and he gets a goal and three assists against the U.S., I mean, more power to him because he's, he's, you know, not only the presumptive number one overall pick, but the number one overall pick. I mean, I don't think there's any... Doubt in that. Now the question no. of the injury is how severe it is. I right. mean, honestly, if I'm his, if I'm his parents, and you know, I know I know he's got the competitive juices and he wants to win for his country, but he's got a very bright future ahead. And if he's going to force <laughs> himself through injury, I, I I would I would say I'm out for the tournament. Even if this isn't as serious as as one thought, maybe this is sort of like they're using it as a play. Well, he may be back, so other teams have. Have to prepare for him, but I, you know, I, I'm saying I'm out for the tournament, even if this isn't serious, because he's got a future, and you know that you don't, you don't push it if unless you know. It, I mean, I just think it would be a mistake to do it, um, but we'll see.
1: Yeah, my sense is he'll he'll probably test it, give right. it a go like in before a game in a pregame warm up, and if it doesn't feel right, then that may exactly happen. Whether he's on crutches or not, I don't know if that matters all that much. But there's a look, there's a lot, a lot more juice left in that tournament. So we'll, 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 um, we'll get to the road flyers, Ant, because they yeah. showed up in force yesterday, and yep. getting in that I, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I listened to the game on the radio because I was coming back from a concert. And I heard mm-hmm. the whole speech, Vigneault gave him a speech, oh, yeah, how they're, mm-hmm. how they're on the road, they're going to play better, yada, yada, yada. Set, and I'm going to say it as nicely as I can, we'll say SOS was the theme of this game. And you know what, if you want to figure out what that means, then you can figure it out. But end of the day, it's not all on Carter Hart. That team, San no. Jose figured out if we four-check – not only can we tie up the Flyers' defensemen, their, their forwards aren't very good defensively, so we could outnumber them. But also, I still don't think their defense is fleet of foot for a lot of these teams because you saw that there's still odd-man rushes, man.
0: There's still odd-man rushes. I would say in this circumstance, they're certainly coming out of the break you, and coming cross-country, that does play somewhat of a – it does play a little bit of a factor coming in. But, I mean, they had a long – I think they've had a long enough stretch here where, again, bodies yeah. were. They were able to rest. Um, And it also, in many ways, I don't like to sort of isolate it to a single guy, but it also kind of tells you, you know, the importance of a player like Scott Lawton, who does come back and fight that card defensively. Um, But I I think that was kind of his his – this is one of those games where they just seemed almost disinterested, Russ. Yeah. Um, Their engagement was not good from jump. Um, But, I mean – in the first period, in fairness, I San Jose wasn't fa- wasn't fantastic either. But it was a case of you're fortunate enough to be down one nothing, just one nothing here. You have to kind of okay, you've had your period to get your legs.
2: Now right. you got to start
0: tightening it up. And I don't care where San Jose is at in the rankings right in the rankings right now. I don't think their record belies their talent, the, their actual talent level. they are, mu- I think, overall they're a better team, man for man, than they've shown. It's just no question. Been They've been all. They've been just completely out of this season with obviously very subpar goaltending, which I think is in many ways what has um, what has really kind of hampered San Jose more than anything is the subpar goaltending that they've had. But in this one for Philly, it just it, it to me watching the entire game, it was especially in the second period. Once San Jose really kicked up the physical quotient of the game, really forechecked them hard. Yeah, Philly didn't. Billy just did not look like they wanted to be in the arena with them. And that 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 to me, and 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 post game, you know, Vigneault first time we've heard this out of him where he says, "I guys, I can't give you a I, – I, I can always come up with some kind of a positive from one of our players, and I can't come up with one." Tonight. Yeah. And that's and that's you know as you know, and Philly's been up and down at times this season. He's always been kind of trying to say there's nothing positive about that game last night. The score is exactly what happened. The Flyers got crushed. And that's something, and now they have a quick turnaround to play against, going up against Anaheim, and they're going to have to come into this game looking at the San Jose game like it was the smelling salts that they needed because that was bad. And, again, coming back to the whole road flyers thing, it's just, it's a strange thing. To, and I don't know if some of it's maturity, I don't know if some of it is. I think know, it's the veterans. I really do. I, think I, was about say, I was about to say, some of it is the veteran carryover, but, again, you have to kind of, Pin down. If you're going to say the veterans, you have to kind of pin down. Okay, what is it um, about the veterans that leads you to that leads them to be so inconsistent on the road? So I want to hear your theory on that. I, my theory on that is they are too
1: comfortable with their past, and they feel like they can go in I there. Can you be
0: comfortable with their, My question is: How can you be comfortable with your past when your t- when your team has not cleared? The first round of the playoffs. I know. I, I, I can't guys. explain there that. You only... on that. There should be a man a veteran on that roster: Giroux, Borchek, <laughs> whoever who's been here for a while, who can honestly and truly say we feel comfortable. We can we can fall back on lazy, on, you know, on being lazy.
1: Yeah, There's I no agree with you. But then There's we no see the opposite. When they travel, they seem to play the same way. They seem to. Fall back on the way that they used to play on the road. They seem too comfortable on the road, so I can only believe that they feel comfortable when they go into these
0: matchups instead of playing like their hairs on fire. But they because don't. They think San, because They think San Jose is, is, is going to be easy to walk because of their record, and they should. Know yeah, that that's it. part of it. They've been around this long enough to know that they can't sort of you know walk through this that way. Yeah, yeah, I think that, yeah, that's that's a part you. of it. I, I, I absolutely can. I can absolutely look at that and say yeah. But then it comes down to the players again. I, you know, some of the other veterans who have had to play lower in the lineup, and we know who that is. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, to to, to kind of, are. if you're in that circumstance, gotta, you gotta, you have to start picking it up. And you don't have the defensive two-way defensive play. You lost Oscar Lindblom, so that took away a pretty yes. important part of your two-way play. And now you're leaning on some of your veterans to to take over in that spot. And it's been, again, inconsistent in that regard.
1: Mike, any thoughts?
2: Well, I, I, I it's, it's strange because when, you, when you're talking about uh, asking the veterans whether they're more comfortable on the road and, and or more comfortable in the fact that they haven't advanced past the first round, the first thing that popped in my mind was ask the Toronto Maple Leafs because they haven't gone past the first round in 15 years. And there's no reason that any one of their teams should be comfortable anytime, right. but they, they seem to be, and I, I, it's sort of a flaw in their character. I mean, that's why yeah. when I, com- when I comment about how they play and how they're playing right now, and they're scoring eight goals against Carolina and everybody's like, Oh my God, it's so great that they scored eight goals. No, if they play that way. They're going <laughs> to get eviscerated in the playoffs. So you can't play that way. And, 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 to the Flyers, you can't play loosey-goosey and without emotion and the way that they're playing on the road because you have to win road games in the playoffs. So uh, it's not acceptable, and you know, hopefully in the second half of the year Lane Vino gets it straightened out because they could be a tough out in the playoffs if they can win some games on the road. But if they're playing like this, they're going to be an easy out.
1: Right, no question about it. So we do switch to the, uh, to the Leafs who – eked out a point. How yeah. often do the Leafs give up the first goal, Mike, to the other team?
2: Well, yeah, ironically, under Babcock, it was at something like 80 percent of the time, and then it.
1: And you and hold on. Much. So I think there's a stat in the NHL, and it doesn't always hold through. But isn't it like something like 80 percent of the teams who score the first goal win?
2: I don't. It's something know, close to that. I know. I do know that, like, during this win streak that the Leafs had, they had scored in eight straight games. Um, That was up to the the game against Carolina. Uh, And then they came back from the the holiday break, and they gave up the first goal in New Jersey on Friday night, and they gave up the first goal last night. And, you know, that was sort of getting back to a habit that they had broken. And maybe it's just a little blip, but – it does, it, the the thing is, Russ. It doesn't seem to matter because if they get a two nothing lead, they get a three nothing lead, they will blow it.
1: Yeah. Uh, and that, just so that, you know, yeah. In 2016, it was 67 percent. I think it's higher. I think it's in the 70s though. Yeah. Which is crazy. So
2: I mean, and and this is the thing that you can take from their weekend. Uh, they played, you know, one of the worst teams in the league in New Jersey. Uh, a t- and, a, and a team that I like in the Rangers in terms of I think they have a good future, but I don't I think they're going to be on the outside looking in this year. And they got three of a f- possible four points. Hutchinson got a, a win in New Jersey, although gave up four goals to the Devils who really don't have that much of an offense. So in terms of the weekend and, and, and they're continuing to have progress, it was positive. The negative is they're losing bodies. Uh, at at a quick pace, Ilya Mikhaev is probably out for until at least mid March and pro- maybe the season. He's out for the, the regular
1: season. season. Can, can oh. we just say it? They hit an artery. Well, he's out for the regular season. He is.
2: Well, it, it hit artery. It hit an artery, and he, and it cut and it didn't. I think it severed a tendon. So yeah. more than likely, you're right. More than likely, he's out for the year because you know. Even if it heals relatively quickly, he's going to be out of action for three months. Correct. In terms of be, not be, uh, hopefully make it get, get back on skates in you know, month two, but you know what he loses just not being in hockey shape may end his season. So he's out. Andreas Janssen, um blocked a shot in early December against Colorado. He's out until the All Star break. Trevor Moore has concussed. Now they now they lose Jake Muzzin to a broken foot, and I guess these, I guess the Leafs have never heard of uh, skate guards when it comes to their their skates because you know what I, I I'll,
1: I'll stop you there, and I'm going to switch to Ant too because we've heard this with the Flyers with the skate guards and everything, but some players just don't like them.
0: Yeah, I mean it. Not for me, obviously, to speak to it, but, I mean, again, it it is... No, but, I mean, just generally,
1: it seems like some players just don't want to wear them. Otherwise, everybody should wear them, right? That's what we always say.
0: You would think, in theory, in order to keep the blades, you know, properly protected and everything else, walking around on it, I mean, I know there's a certain feel to it, but I, I know at the same time you have to... You have to have those things. I know sometimes they're not—they're not thinking, and they get out on the ice by accident. And they have one on their skate, and then they go flying. Um,
1: yep. we've seen it happen
0: a few times, where you know, a player sometimes can be so locked in. Again, it does come down to a preference, I think, as much as anything. But you know,
2: yeah. Well, so, all I know is that every Leaf player uh, that was we talked to before the game and after the game was asked whether they would consider wearing the Kevlar sleeve on their wrist after the McKay of injury, and even right. guys like Matthews said yes, so they, that the, basically the entire team was fit for Kevlar sleeves. So they need yeah. to see something like one of their, one of their teammates almost loses rift with a, 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 you know, a skate well, cut from Jester Bratt to, to get them to go that direction.
1: Yeah, it, teams say it, players say it, until yeah. they get on the ice with it, and then they don't score in a game, and then they take it off. Well that's what happens with I, some of these safety issues.
0: they will try. Again, uh, yeah, it comes It comes down to, again and again, it's going to go down to, as I just said before, it, it's going to come down to player feel um, yep. with regard to this and how they feel with it. Personally, my opinion is I think they need to at least go a few games with it to really kind of get used to it. It's like a case where it's like, oh, one game, oh, it doesn't feel right, I'm going to take it right off, and I get, you know, performance and everything you want to try to optimize your performance as much as possible be making big money and everything else but i do feel like if you're going to give it a go and say you're going to do it you should at least give it at least a few games first before you make the final decision on whether you're going to take it off or not
2: yeah well let, right. let, me, let me just put let me just put a capper a capper on the on the leaf stuff because um one now muzzins out for um, they say week to week. So if it's a broken bone in the foot, it's probably four to six weeks. And this, at a key point in the in the Leafs schedule, their defense last night, as you, as usual, was questionable against the Rangers. Um, you know they got a lot of shots more, on your give. <laughs> yeah, I know, but, but they're 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 generating offense, but there there's something wrong with Morgan Riley. I don't know if it's injury or what, but. Um, He hasn't scored a goal in 28 games. And, you know, there's. And I know that there there was something injury related early in the season, but he's not injured anymore. It just doesn't, you know, he he missed out a chance in the third period. He missed in overtime, and then D'Angelo came back and won the game. So that's a concern for them. And. You know, Sheldon Keith before the game says, "I'm excited to see Martin Marinsen back in the lineup." I'm sorry, nobody in that building except Sheldon Keith was excited to see Martin Marinsen on the ice. Um, there, uh, Elliot Friedman last night during the broadcast talked about the Leafs, and now the trade freeze is off. Them potentially shopping Jeremy Brocco. Uh, Dmitro Timoshov, one of their wingers, who I think is a is a pretty decent kid, but he 's sort of the numbers game i 'm not sure he fits there and ben Harper, i don 't know who in the hell would want Ben Harper, but that they 're looking for either the backup goaltender or maybe some, um, some uh, depth on depth on defense um, I would hate to see Brocco traded for a depth player, but they just don 't seem you know there's the, there's no room for him on the right side. They've got Captain and Marner, and Nylander, and I they don't see him in a fourth-line role. So uh, it it looks like that uh, Jeremy Bracco's days as a leaf are numbered.
1: Well, I mean, if you remember, that's what I was worried about a couple of years ago. And, you know, we had that maybe slight glimmer of hope when he got called up, but we knew he wasn't going to play. But, it really does seem like that's what's going to happen, and it's going to be a cautionary tale. It's going to be one of these things. I mean, look, it hasn't even gone that well for the Leafs without Josh Levo. Josh Levo's a good player.
2: Yeah, they get, well, I mean, that was, that was all on Babcock. You can, you, can, you can count on one hand the number of players that Babcock, before they really got a chance, decided that he was not going to be somebody he played and either that player was traded or relegated to the press box. And Justin Hall right now is the number three defenseman on the team, behind Barry and Morgan Riley. And he was scratched health as a healthy scratch 71 times last year.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. Um, on a slight note, I saw a quote from Steve Stamco saying how this next road trip was like crucial for the, um, not road trip, homestand, crucial for the uh, Lightning, like the next, I don't know, 13 games or something. It's not all homestand, but he, it's interesting, Ant, because we don't ever see Tampa in that situation, and now, you know, Stamkos is putting that leadership forth and saying, hey, we got to, this is our season. They did come out and, and win a game last night, but all I'm talking about is the broader subject of, it's kind of odd to see them in this situation, but in this league, it's hard when you're playing from behind.
0: It is, and it really kind of speaks to, um, you know, with Tampa, how much they've played in front for so long of, in the last few years, where they yep. have been, just, you know, especially last season, and the toll that that loss in the playoffs took on the, what it seems to be, I, and I hate to continue to, to, to harp on it, but... I don't think I've ever seen a team go through an extended sort of playing well under their talent level, quite like Tampa Bay has done this season. I mean, they're not completely crashed out of the postseason or anything along those lines, but that's a team that we looked at and we, you you would look at it man for man and say, that's a loaded squad talent level-wise, and they yeah. just yeah. not responded. Now, what again, is it still them trying to, you know, get – themselves mentally right after what happened last season. I mean, that's certainly a possibility there. But um, it's definitely a gut check time for them, a character check time. I think in many ways that I kind of wonder if they're able to pull through this and they get themselves back in the postseason, it it creates a different mindset potentially. And and that's the biggest thing that they need, that they get into it. They know they're in the thick of a playoff race versus being so far in front that they can take off the gas that if they they manage to get themselves on a real roll in the second half, that that's kind of what they need, that little chip on their shoulder to go. A swift kick in the butt,
1: that's what they need.
0: Exactly, exactly. And and then is that the breakthrough that this squad needs to really kind of get themselves
2: to where we think they're capable? Mike? Well, there's one thing to have a comfort level. There's another thing to be – to give up the first 17 shots on goal to Montreal as they did last night, they were outshot 17 nothing in the first period and were down two nothing before Kalorn scored late in the first. I mean that's not comfort, that's coma, and you know <laughs> it's 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 a statement on the talent of the team that they came back from that deficit and won 5-4. But I mean that's just it's scary. I mean you you can't do that, and maybe that you know. The fact that they had as many points as they did last year, and they were just at a certain level full throttle throughout the regular season that they had no other gear uh in the playoffs, I get that, but I think they put themselves in trouble during the regular season with some sort of lackadaisical play, mm-hmm. and you know Russ has been right to point out that you know that's on cooper but there's just too much talent there and you can't you cannot do that. And you know, maybe they, they're talented enough to just flip a switch in February and say, Okay, now we're gonna be the the, the lightning of old but they've wasted a lot of opportunities with a lot of games in hand to catch up and if they continue to do that then they're gonna be in the thick of the wild card race and not the top three of the Atlantic division. Yeah.
1: Now now and one um, interesting thing with the um, with the Islanders So they're on a three-game losing streak, and we see that now all of a sudden it's being written about they don't have enough scoring. Now, this is a team that went on a 16-point streak. (laughs) But the interesting thing is it just shows you in this league these point streaks are, are almost meaningless, and to write about them sometimes is laughable because of the loser point. But at the end of the day, they started the season with not enough offense, we've detailed it on so many shows. You can look at it at the end of the day, somebody has to score goals and this is on Lou Lamarillo right now. Like he's got to
0: fix this. Yeah. I mean, that's we, I think we've all, I think we've all to a man probably have looked at the Islanders and said, you know, you look at their, how they were scoring earlier in the season. It very much was a committee approach. I think they, 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 they looked really, you know, it was impressive, but, we always yeah. kind of looked at that roster and said they're missing that one extra score in there that could make them truly a team where you'd say, okay, this is a formidable squad because they got they got the defensive chops they always have. Um, obviously under um, yeah under 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 uh, Barry Trotz. Barry Trotz, yeah. But they do need that extra player or two to, to kind of really put them into into real contention. And again, this is this is this is where Lou does have to make it. This is where Lou has to make his money. Uh, in in terms of figuring things out, in terms of how much of this is is, is the team going to be able to play through, how much of this is going to be – you've got to be willing to go into your prospect base and maybe give somebody up in order to add that extra part, that that extra scoring part that takes the pressure off of a Matthew Barzal in that circumstance. So, again, man for man, again, I think they're solid down the middle. I think they probably could use a wing scorer in this case more than anything. Um, but I wouldn't also be against them trying to get a, get another pivot in here, as, get another pivot in there as well. I think if the center position is solid, but it's kind of almost, from a scoring perspective, it's it can be a bit pedestrian at times.
2: Mike. I look I look at the Islanders, and they're sort of in between when it comes to, like, the the examples of Barry Trotz teams. I mean, they're not as bad mm-hmm. off offensively as Nashville when it was, what, David Legwand and I think Patrick Hornquist were their two best forwards or yeah. something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they had Weber, and they they had they had Suter, and they had Rene, and they were a, a great defensive team. And I think they only got out of the first round once with that club. Then he goes to the Capitals, and he has to sort of augment his style to Backstrom and Ovechkin, and eventually he wins a cup. But they were, they were not the typical Trotz team. Here he has a chance to be what he normally is, as a shutdown defensive coach. And he's got some offensive pieces, but he doesn't have enough to be what he was with the Capitals. And I don't know whether a J.G. Paggio or a center on the market that, that, that gets traded before the deadline or anybody that's out there is going to help with the fact that this team is it thinks defense first and offense second, and sometimes in the playoffs that works, but most of the time with the trots it doesn 't i 'd like to take a balance of the Islanders and the Leafs and put them together and see what it would work or how it would work out, but uh, that doesn 't happen. I think the islanders are a one round team right now unless they make a big move
1: yeah they're like a butch goring short at least all right. So I, I did write one of these decade articles, and it was basically the 20 best NHL draft values of the decade that I felt. I mean, there's so many, right? I mean, you could look. And, and, I, and when you got into the 2018-19, I, I did project a little for some guys. But, and I put it up on sportsology.com, but I'll, I'll go with Mike first. My favorite story of all of them probably is Mark Stone because – I know it's easy to look at this list, and probably people will say, "Well, look, a lot of them are college players. well, he wasn't, and he was <laughs> he was playing in junior hockey, and he just blossomed, and hundred and seventy eighth overall that's a hell of a pick, but your your guy Freddie Anderson, you know has an interesting story too, because he flat out just didn't want to play for Carolina and which incensed Jim Rutherford at the time. So then he goes back into the draft and still gets picked 78th overall. Like still – 87, sorry. Still, like,
2: teams didn't (laughs) jump on him right away. Right, I mean, I think he was a seventh round pick of Carolina, and then he was taken yeah. in the third by, by Anaheim. Yeah, and that's we know, you know, we know those stories and how usually they don't work out, like the Nick Boyntons or yeah. you know, the, the the guys who re-enter the draft. Usually they re-enter and they're picked later than they were originally picked, unless there's somebody really, really, really good. And then they then most of the time, I, I mean, I, I mentioned Boynton, but most of the time they don't work out. Uh, Anderson in that respect, you know, he was taken into the third round by the Ducks. He was, um, you know, he was developed and, you know, played well for them, then gets traded to the Leafs for a first and a second round pick. And I think has been consistently one of the better goalies in the league. So yeah, that, I mean, that's a success story. And I I don't know if I looked at the list, but I I don't know if you included guys like, I'm always fascinated by the seventh round pick that, uh, that that succeeds and, Andre, Andreas Janssen with the Leafs, Victor Olsen with the Sabres, both seventh-round picks. Both I think Did not they include either, them. Either, yeah, they, Both were either... I know Janssen was Swedish Rookie of the Year in the SHL. Yep. Olsen won the gold title last, uh, two years ago. Both are, I think, really good NHL players. Uh, and I think Pierre Engvall, the, the Leafs' kid uh, who... Who's been called up this year? He was another seventh round pick. They usually give their European scout the seventh round. So they just pick the guy who's your favorite guy. I think that's what, that's what it sounds like, and they've they've hit on those guys. So that that I like those stories because that it you know if you get something out of any any player in, after the fifth round, it's it's a fortunate thing.
1: Yeah, I was and looking I at say, those guys, but I, I was looking for I don't know. I guess a, a bit. Higher end, long term, more,
2: more more body, more body of work. I mean, they're, they're, yeah, I mean, not all, just,
1: not everybody has a body of work. I put Maxine Comtois on there as an example. I mean, he's only into his, really hasn't played even a full season in two splits. But yeah, but like you know, Anders Lee is an example. You know, a 152nd overall. Now, and the interesting thing is, like goalie wise, two of them won cups: Matt Murray and Jordan Bennington. Yes. So yeah. I threw I threw them on the list because anytime you can get a a cup winning goalie, third round or later, you know you're you're living life right. Johnny Goudreau, I mean we all that's the amazing one too. Like and we all watched Johnny Goudreau play. Everybody knew about him. We're in the area. Teams yeah. know about him, and they just because of his of his height, they're just like you know, mm-hmm. he's slight of frame, hundred fourth overall. Like come on man.
0: Yeah, no, no question. At the you know, at 104, again, that was again during an era where again size was obviously going to be more prized. We know that. Sure. Uh, same thing that kind of happened to let's say an Alex DeBrinket, who again gets taken 39th. It's not as bad, but still from scoring count, you know, 154 yeah. points 203 games is another thing you can certainly get to as well. So a lot of times it, it tends to be the guys who are obviously smaller of stature. Uh, the one player I probably would have potentially included, but unfortunately uh, things have, you know, with developments that have happened with him, um, again, not as long as the track record yet, but could have potentially within a year or so, Oscar Lindblom certainly would have been the guy. Yeah, he would have. The difficulty is the point totals in this circumstance. Um, yeah. Again, at the moment he was at thirty. He was at thirty, you know, thirty-three points last season in eighty-one games. But obviously, was off to a big start this season before oh, yeah. the uh, before what occurred. But again, at one hundred thirty-eighth overall, he probably just by the window of time had it, had had the Ewing sarcoma not happened, um, he could have been a guy that could really uh, potentially within a year or so have been on your list.
1: Yeah, no question. I'll tell you a fun one. Who like this one, Mike is is easy to forget about. He's hiding in plain sight is Cedric Paquette. I mean, good on Tampa, 101st overall. He's got 323 points in 343 games. We never talk about this
2: guy. No, and I was like scanning through some of the the, the late-round picks. You know, okay, this guy isn't a superstar, but when you get 217 games played – uh, out of a 7th round pick 189th overall Marcus Nudavara from from uh, the Yeah, he he yeah. was on my on my
1: list. I he got cut though. But yeah, Nudevara's a good one.
2: Yeah, I mean that and and you also have to factor in the college free agents who were never <laughs> drafted. Tyler Bozak, I know he was I know I think it was '09 that he joined the Leafs, but in terms of the fact that the guy was probably their second best center behind Austin Matthews for this decade and he was a college free agent who was not drafted who played for the University of Denver. That's see, that's a statement. Those guys who didn't even get drafted, you know, look at the guys like Adam Fox or Jimmy VC were drafted and then either got traded or or went free agency, but the guys who just didn't even get drafted, those are the are the are the, the gems of the decade that people just overlooked.
1: Yeah, one more that I'm going to mention that only just started getting mentioned in like a year ago is, is Victor Arvidsson with Nashville. He's already got 110 goals, and he was 112 overall. Like, that's that's a really good job by Nashville because, again, goal scoring's big in this league, and there are some goal scorers on this list. Now, Kucherov, you know, I'm never going to fault anybody on that one because the Russian factor, all that, like, I get it. But but there's some good names on the list. It's It's fun to do that. And yeah. so I wanted to sort of end the decade with that. I don't have any New Year's resolutions. I don't know if you guys do. I don't do it. Do you guys have any or no? Um,
2: well, I do, but I know that I'll break it in about two days of being maybe more positive, but that's impossible. <laughs> any thoughts on
0: that?
2: Um, I mean, I guess for me,
0: it's not doing necessarily what we would call a resolution per se. For me, it's just trying to, you know, the things that you have been doing. And I think you want to kind of emphasize, you know, some of the positive things that I think you're you're, you're doing in your life. And then also sort of being willing to kind of take into account, okay, what are some of the things that I can do better uh, in the new year? And keep it simple, honestly, like that. I, um, you know, like, if you want to set a mark for yourself in terms of things that you want to do for the year, that's probably the most important thing I think that a person should do is just say, what are some of the things that I, you know, am looking to accomplish in my own life uh, before the before the new year before the year is out more than anything? I mean, if it's, a, if it's weight loss goal, then great. The whole thing is obviously stick with it, but also just things that you may want to just kind of set up a roadmap for yourself of things that you'd like to do in the upcoming year. If it doesn't happen, that's one thing, but at least if you can hit that list and kind of check some of those things off, it's a, it's a good feeling. Yeah. Well, One well, last thing. I, I would, go ahead, Mike.
2: Oh, I, was, I, was, I would pre- preach patience as a, as, a, uh, as a New Year's resolution, especially like as for somebody like me who goes regularly to the gym at the beginning of January when everybody who's made a resolution to lose weight <laughs> takes, up, yeah. ex- takes up every exercise, bike, and treadmill. But don't worry, by January 7th, they'll all be gone.
0: It's, it's that... <laughs> And I would say just also don't, like, lose patience with people as well who are trying to do it because, again, sometimes they are just looking for that um, yeah. that extra bit of motivation. So instead of sort of rolling, you know, I, I look at it and say, you know, kind of encourage. If someone's trying to do that, then, then kind of continue to encourage that person or even, you know, kind of look at, yeah, again, it's going to be their own personal decisions so of whether or not they're going to stay with it. But I think if a um, person in your life is trying to do that, then encourage that as much as possible.
1: One last note, the Flyers were playing the uh, the winter classic commercial on the radio and they made it sound like an episode of Raw Height. I'm pretty sure they don't even do that for stars games.
0: I no, know I they don't NHL's do it. Been, to... NHL's been doing that in general. It's been uh it's, it's an HL production where it's they make it look like it's a wild it's is it the one with Ben Bishop and uh Well no, but this is
1: a, this is audio only, so it's even worse.
0: <laughs> oh. Well, it's probably an NHL production. Yeehaw, it's, like, folks. Uh, it's
1: kinda like this, it's kinda like hey, the Dallas Stars are facing the Nashville Predators. Yeah. You know, he spits out the, uh, <laughs> the, the chewing tobacco. You get it. But the yeah, last thing it's, is
2: it's, – it's, it's nice that they're being current, re- referencing a, 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 a Western show that was 60 years old. Thank you. No, they're not referencing
1: anything. I'm just saying it sounds like it. Anyhow, last thing is – so at one of the Winter Classics, it was the one in Pittsburgh. Um, actually, yeah – was, did they, yeah, it was Pittsburgh, I think it was Pittsburgh, whatever. One of them, Franco Harris, was at, and he did not want to get out on the ice. I personally invited him, and he said he was afraid to get out on the ice. Troy Aikman's going to be at this game. I don't know if he'll be at the media skate the way Franco was getting interviewed, but if he does, if he is, I'm going to invite Troy Aikman on the ice. Does anybody here think he's going to go out on the ice? Uh,
2: the question is, if he does go out on the ice, will he remember it with all of his concessions? <laughs>
1: And any
0: thoughts about that? Um, I mean, listen, shoot. if he's there, shoot your shot, Ross, See what happens. I'm not about to get in the man's head to decide whether or not he wants to go on the ice or not. So, go ahead, shoot your shot.
1: Yeah, yeah. Actually, now that I think about it, I think it was a stadium series game. But I've been to so many, it's like, God, Pittsburgh's been in it so many times, too. But anyhow, it's a Sunday morning. That's it for Off the Post. We'll catch everybody next time.
0: Take care, everybody. Happy New Year.